In the Shadows, a new podcast by Izzy Steinmeier and Isla Campbell. Each week, we investigate the lives of the hidden women of history. Join us as we uncover their stories. Hi guys, and welcome to the next episode of our podcast, In the Shadows, where each week we aim to give voices to the hidden figures of history. Hi, I'm Isla. And I'm Izzy. And in today's podcast, we are very lucky to be joined by our special guest, um, Tilly Cox. Hi, guys. So Tilly has been researching witchcraft and in particular, the story of Martha Corrie. Um, Martha Corrie was the last victim of the Salem witch trials. Yes. So we are very excited to be um, able to chat with an expert about one of history's hidden figures. Um, And I think... Well, what, what, what our kind of aim of this episode is, we're going we're gonna to be exploring the prejudices towards women throughout this time, you know, throughout the 16th, 17th, the 18th centuries. Definitely. So we really hope you enjoy this week's episode of In the Shadows. Okay, so welcome, Tilly. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So um, first, can we start off with, would you mind giving us a bit of background information on the witch trials themselves? Yeah, so females have always been accused of witchcraft worldwide um, for many years, but the hunt of witches started in Europe in the 1580s. But this witch frenzy ended soon after and many of the strong Protestants in Europe who were involved in this witch craze uh, they were called the puritans they migrated to the eastern coast of america and then the most notable town which was infected by this witch craze was salem in massachusetts uh, and the witch hunt in salem on the eastern coast of america didn't begin until 1692 which i think scarily not that long ago when we compare it to the jacobean witch trials in england and the inspiration of macbeth the most kind of common and well-known representation of the witch trials, you know, seen in Arthur Miller's The Crucible, seen most commonly in popular culture, um, are the Salem witch hunts. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about these and how they how they arose? Yeah, so the witch hunt was sparked in Salem after a young girl's reported having fits. So Abigail Williams and ba- Betty Paris, they're not just made up names from The Crucible, Uh, They were the niece and daughter of the town's reverend um, in Salem, and they started experiencing fits and hallucinating, and they attributed these contortions to witches. And were these uh, fits actually genuine? Um, No, we know now that these were all staged, and um, later the accuser's delusions have been recognised as ailments such as asthma, Lyme disease, epilepsy, and convulsive ergotism. Um, which is essentially where bread infected with the ergot fungus is consumed. And actually, I found this really interesting. The drug LSD is actually a derivative of this fungus. So it gives the impression of the effect it might have had. Mm, and how does our, like how does Miller's The Crucible relate to this persecution? Um, and just for everyone who doesn't know, um, The Crucible is a play um, from 1953 by the American playwright Arthur Miller. Um, it's it's partially fictionalized and it's dramatized story of the Salem witch trials. So does does Corey come into this? Well, the story famously follows with many of the girls in Salem continuing to point fingers and performing tantrums during witch trials. And then if the um, 
suspect was found guilty, they were arrested and hung. And one notable victim of the Salem witch trials was Martha Corey. And she was, she's most famous for being one of the last witches which was sentenced and hung in Salem. Yeah, I mean, clearly her story is really significant because she was the last woman to pay the price for this kind of frenzy of gossip and accusations. But um, would you mind telling us a bit more about her? So how does she kind of come to be accused? Yeah, so suspicions of her involvement of witchcraft um, began on March the 12th after Anne Putnam Jr. reported seeing an apparition of her. And then her doubts were added to this case, were reported by her own husband, who was called Giles Corey. And he insisted in on attending one of the witch trials, but his um, wife, Martha, was deeply re religious and she didn't want him to involve himself with that. And so she tried to stop him. And then when he later told people about this, um, he also said that she read strange books sometimes as well. And she was very openly skeptical of the, skeptical of the existence of witches to her family and her neighbors. Um, but alarm bells were raised when her husband reported this. Um, and when and like in what form did her punishment take? She was almost immediately punished. So on March 19th, a warrant was issued for her arrest, um, addressing that she'd injured Anne Putnam Jr., Abigail Williams and other girls with the use of witchcraft. And actually during her trial, Abigail Williams claimed that she saw Martha's spirit separate from her body and sit on a beam and it was holding a yellow bird, which she declared to be Martha's familiar, um, which is the animals, I don't know if people know this, but it's the little animals that um, witches have or old women would have that they thought would be their kind of sidekick in um, their spells, I don't know. <laughs> um, so then she then said that this bird flew onto the Reverend's hat, who was visiting the town amongst the mayhem and others joined the claims during this trial so much so that she had her examination moved to the church building because it had so many spectators. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned earlier that um, Corey was very religious and she was actually skeptical about the whole witch trial um, kind of phenomenon um, in general, but did she actually end up pleading guilty? No, so during her trial, she always maintained her innocence. Um, her trial was conducted by magistrates jo John Hawthorne and Jonathan Corwin. And uh, she stated she was always a gospel woman. And the girls of Salem continued their claims against her during her trial. And it's reported that when Martha actually bit her lip, they suddenly became hysterical. And I find that really interesting because this idea of woman accusing women in the witch trials, um, it's very different from now in our kind of contemporary narrative when there's an emphasis placed on female empowerment. Um, so why do you think these women felt so compelled to accuse other women, accuse their counterparts? I think a lot of them joined in because they believed it would be effective, an effective way to save themselves from this relentless environment of accu accusation. It's more difficult to be accused of a witch if you're the accuser um, or if you're joining in with the frenzy. Um, and so if they're seen to be an accuser, they're seen to, to society as being religious and denouncing witchcraft and actively trying to stop it. So the chance of them being accused would decrease. Yeah, at the same time, we don't often see kind of male support of the accused. And there was definitely kind of this ostracization of the um, accused and suspects of um, witchcraft. 
Um, but was Martha's story any different? Yeah, so even though her husband had involvement in her arrest, he actually always defended her innocence and this led to his own accusation. So was was he accused too? Um, because we, we, we do rarely ever hear male allegations of witchcraft. Um, it's very much like a female-centric crime. Um, and yeah, it's said to be 90% of the witchcraft allegation, allegations were about women. Yeah, well, because he refused to plead guilty, he was actually stoned to death. And this was a method used when people refused to um, take their plea. And this is where heavy sto- heavy floorboards are placed on them and then stones on top of these until they're pressed to death. I mean, that just sounds horrendous, but kind of what implications did this have um, for Martha? Yeah, so by this point, she was in, she'd lost her husband, she'd been abandoned by the church and was awaiting her death in prison. Uh, And she was among the last eight witches to be hung in Gallows Hill on the 22nd of September in 1692. I think the story of her marks the end of the witch hysteria in Salem, although she received some justice in 1703 after the church revoked her excommunication. Martha's story still exemplifies the prejudices of women throughout history. Okay, thank you very much, Tilly. Um, And now we're going to move on to the discussion segment of today's podcast. Um, So we've had Tilly very effectively laying out the facts about Corey. Um, And now I want to dig, we want to dig a bit deeper. Um, so we want to dig a bit deeper onto the story of Corey. Um, so we will focus on a few questions. Um, so primarily sticking to our true aim on the podcast. And um, why was Corey in the shadows? And secondly, how influential was she? And why is it so important to bring her story to light? Yeah, I think um, the first question we, we should kick off with, kind of in line with the aim of this podcast, um, is so Tilly, why was Corey actually in the shadows? Um, I think she's a perfect example of how women were so easily accused with so little evidence and it cost them their life. And it was, yeah, she was in the shadows because no one listened to her when she continued to maintain her innocence. She was a Christian woman, you know, she had no involvement in witchcraft and also a lot of the other people who were accused of witchcraft, not trying to take away from their story, but they, the girls had reason to accuse them. For example, um, Tichuba was, um, um, she was the maid of Betty and Abigail and they accused her because she was different and she um, would have make weird spells and take them out to the woods. But Corey, there wasn't much basis on her accusation accusations they had no real concrete evidence apart from just hearsay and that was a that was the same for a lot of the witches but I find I found her story really significant because she always maintained her innocence and she had no real reason to be accused. Um, I think it's also um, really important to note kind of what Corey symbolizes um, for the entire kind of witchcraft trial. So she represents persecution of women in this way and like the spread of kind of frenzy and hysteria with, as you said, Tilly, there was so little evidence for her being accused. And 
I think why we've chosen to focus on her today and why we're so happy you came to chat to us about Corey is she was the very last victim. So in some ways we can see her as the really unlucky one because thankfully um, after this time, um, kind of this frenzy started to die down a bit. However, I mean, we do know that she was only kind of pardoned and her name officially cleared in 1954. So I think it shows that kind of this prejudice towards women um, in this awful way was still maintained until way too late. It's kind of shocking um, that this was still um, an issue in the 20th century. Yeah, exactly. I'd also have to say like, on the other hand, I think at least now the kind of the Salem witch trials and executions have been universally declared as um, a shameful part of history, a history of part of history that um, we need to we need to look back on and kind of discuss like why this happened. Um, and even the, the the Puritans themselves did recognize the errors of their ways. Um, with a, it, on um, January the fifteenth, sixteen ninety seven, um, it was the, this day was called the day of official humiliation, um, in which they pleaded with God for forgiveness because of this. Um, in seventeen o two, the trials were declared unlawful. Um, so in the way it's been taken a bit out of the shadows by the fact that you know it's it it like we all know especially with um like the crucible and things like that we all know about the story and I think that's good that it's kind of been brought to light in that way but on the other hand it did take more than 250 years for Massachusetts to formally apologize for the the events of um, 1692 250 years that takes us right into the 20th century and we think why is this why why did this take so long um so yeah I think despite some recognition, I think, why, did, why, why was that process so drawn out when it was something so horrific and something so awful, literally the systematic oppression of these innocent women? And I think it's really interesting how that, you know, that was kind of taken out, of the, like put in the shadows for so long. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think Miller does offer quite, even though it's fictionalized, he does offer an insight into kind of the awful persecution that these women faced. But often I think in the media and in popular culture, women, um, witches have kind of taken on a much more, it's kind of this fantastical, supernatural, cackly, they have their familiars. And I think that it's become kind of more of a, this, their stories have kind of been silenced because they've become this kind of icon of oh, a cackly witch. And I think that that still speaks to like the prejudices against women, that we still continue to like um, kind of perpetuate this idea that women can be witches and it's kind of this anti-Christ view of women. And I think that that's definitely witchcraft like it's very root it's linked to religion and how in the church women were always seen as inferior they were always held like with suspicion so I think that um actually although Miller offers kind of a more um kind of true to for, uh, true to life um representation of witches I think often now their stories have been kind of twisted into something that we can joke about um whereas I think actually we just really need to understand how awful it was for these women and Tilly why do you think why do you think this like, why do you think women were chosen as this group why do you think women were chosen as this group to be marginalized this group to be persecuted like why specifically was it women i think because it was so much easier to accuse a woman than a man because a woman is supposed to comply and be obedient in this era and she's supposed to be you know, a good Christian woman, be respectful. And I think people in this time were really looking out for the flaws of them. And there's this image, you had to be this perfect Christian woman. And if you took a step out of line, 
then you were declared a witch. And I think it was easier to accuse a woman of doing it because the men were allowed to go off to brothels and they were allowed to do that, but the women, they had to be compliant. And yeah, I think it was also a case of the girls accusing women, accusing other women. You know, they kind of felt this sense of entitlement, the young girls of the town, because they've been so suppressed in society and, you know, they were treated as inferior when they were younger and they were always told you know you should be a good christian woman you should stick to the rules not rebel against society and i think because they were so repressed and just i'm not really sure how to describe it but this uh forced them to want to rebel against the system mm-hmm. and the societal norms and they got the sense of empowerment by accusing other women. On to the next question. Um, so to me, how influential was Corey and how important um, is it to bring her story to light? Um, so do you want to kick us off with that? Yeah, so I think she was really influential in the way that she obviously always maintained her innocence and I touched on this before you know it's very easy when the whole town is accusing you of witchcraft and um, including your husband even your own family and it'd be that your neighbours and people you know your whole life would be accusing you suddenly and going against you because it's it's almost fun for these girls to they get enjoyment out of you know throwing all these fits and making you know having that sense of empowerment Um, And I think her story is influential because she was one of the unlucky ones and she was one of the last ones before it just, it all turned around and everyone realised, okay, we're actually doing something wrong. I think it's, um, I think her story is unique because she was just really unlucky. Um, She could have just missed it and she was a good Christian woman. She didn't, had no means to be accused on, yeah. I think also the whole fact about how women were just systematically persecuted and just killed in this horrible way. It, it's really the idea of history repeating itself in the way that when problem, obviously in these, in this, in this time, there was a lot of problems like famine, disease, a lot like they won't, these women were used as scapegoats for that, that problem. And I think it, it just, it just mirrors the common theme of history where people need to find scapegoats for their problems. Um, and I think it's interesting how these women were chosen as these scapegoats. And in fact, when they when they were just normal, normal women like me or you or anyone. And I think it's so they, they were just put in the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong era of society. And they were just you know, completely and utterly persecuted for something that's just completely not their fault. And just I think it's interesting how, you know, his, throughout history, we've seen just scapegoats and I think it's um, people just blaming people were looking for an easy blame and I think it's interesting and it's important to bring to light these stories so we can see like why why does this need to happen obviously with hindsight we can see that and we can see why why was this why was such a hysteria created I think looking back on it it's interesting to kind of bring this to light again and bring this to the forefront and we can kind of just see the patterns of history in this way Yeah, and I also think it's something, her story highlights how extreme um, the measures were taken if one one woman did something wrong. You know, it's these things that have been these societal expectations that women should be so perfect and they um, 
if they do one thing wrong, they're hung, which is, just seems so ridiculous now. But for then, it was normalised, the fact that, oh, well, if you're a witch, you should be sent to death, you should be burned alive, that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, we would never have anything so extreme in modern day, but do either of you think that kind of... Um, something like this could happen again obviously not witch trials in this way but kind of I know with um women often we actually were speaking about it yesterday with like the kind of feminist movement I guess um women are kind of demonized for straying even slightly from societal norms I mean slut shaming is still such like a prevalent issue and by no way are we comparing this at all to kind of the witch trials because we know that there's not this same level of persecution but I do think it's important to note that women are still facing these prejudices for just slightly straying for what's expected of them um, so do you think that anything um, we can liken this to anything in modern society I think the whole story shows the journey of women and how this wasn't even that long ago and how this kind of attitude and these norms have been ingrained in our society and even religion and because this was this they were excusing the witch trials by saying oh well it's for religion and that's kind of an excuse and the same way it's shown um women are still persecuted for what they wear and slut shaming like you were said like you said and obviously it's not extreme extreme but i think by understanding how where this stemmed from we can try make changes to how women are suppressed today also i think it's important that we're telling these sorts of stories you know it's international women's day on the 8th of march and I think it's it's you know it's important to have these conversations and to look back at this these times of history and see and and you know look at these stories look at the stories of these women. Um, so I think it's really good that we're delving into the story of this woman, giving her a voice. Yeah, and by recognizing the mistakes and all the things we've done in the past, you can only move forward. And hopefully, I mean, I don't think it will happen again, but stuff like this doesn't happen again. And I think by making the mistakes of the witch trials, Salem and Massachusetts and all the people who are involved have apologized for it and they learn, they take steps towards treating women more equally. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Tilly. Um, we, we wholeheartedly echo you in stressing the need for stories like, stories like Corey's to be told. Um, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, join us next time where we will bring on a new special guest and uncover the story of another woman who was in the shadows. And once again, thank you so much for joining us, Tilly. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. In the Shadows, uncovering the hidden woman of history.